got a short video I'm going to play before we start. Mrs. Long? Yes? We found a baby girl for your adoption. She's in Siberia, and she was born with a rare condition. Her legs will need to be amputated. Her life, it won't be easy. Mrs. Long? It might not be easy, but it'll be amazing. I can't wait to meet her. Toyota, start your impossible. I'm not advertising Toyota or anything, but that's a short glimpse at Jessica Tatiana Long, an American Paralympic swimmer who holds numerous world records uh, and in the last four Paralympic Games won 13 gold medals, among others that she won. <laughs> She's a double amputee, Russian-born orphan. And with the combination of her dedication and determination and the support of her adoptive parents, she is one of the most successful athletes in Paralympic Games history. How does that make you feel? How do these kinds of inspirational stories make you feel? I suspect for some of us, it makes us depressed and discouraged more than inspired. Demands of life overwhelm us. We're busy and stressed with work. We're anxious and overcome by pressures of family, parenting. We're worried about our studies and the uncertainty of the future. We wrestle with our lack of knowledge or wisdom for the circumstances we face. We feel defeated or selfish by the expectations to somehow give of ourselves, to sacrifice to others, to our kids, to our families. And I don't know about you, but people feel lost as they seek to attempt the world's gospel of work-life balance. We battle with this seemingly endless flood of lies and temptations of the evil one. We feel ashamed and guilty of our seeming inability to conquer sin. We struggle to put our faith and our trust in God's goodness and His faithfulness in the everyday parts of life. And some of us, we're afraid somehow we're not good enough for God. Or maybe this is all just me. As we get into the Colossians, uh, letter of Colossians, we see a gospel that gives us hope. It gives us hope for today. And the future. We find strength comes not from within. Not from ourselves or the people around us. But from God. And we're invited to be part of something bigger. Bigger than ourselves. And as we prayed earlier. A movement that will change the world. And the gospel invites us into that. To be that kind of church. A place. A home. A family. Where people will find this everlasting hope in Jesus. To find strength to live from God the Father and be part of the global work of the gospel. Imagine for a moment if one of my pastors or one of my mentors sent you a message to you, not to me, to you. Would you take that message 
the heart? Or would you ignore them? You don't know them. You don't. I probably never told you anything of them. It might seem strange for them to do that. But that's what happens here. Paul writes to the church of Colossae through their pastor, Epaphras. Epaphras was one of his co-workers, and he writes as an apostle with authority, but his heart for the church is a genuine one. It's not just one where he writes of, I'm someone special, so you should listen to me. No, he writes with a genuine heart for the church. There's real love. As we read through this letter, there's love and there's thanksgiving for the church that exists because of the gospel. I don't know if you know this, and I've shared this a couple of times, but people pray for you. People pray for this church. People that you've never met. People that you don't even know. They pray for you. They pray for you partly because of their their partnership and relationship with me, but also because of the gospel. You may never meet them, but they pray for you. And Paul writes to the Colossians to encourage and to teach them so that they would be grounded in Christ. Grounded in hope, in freedom, in truth, in victory, in fellowship, in love, in faithfulness. All which flow out of the gospel in Jesus. And Paul's prayer is summed up in chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I'm going to see how Paul unpacks that over this next term. And I pray this morning as we look at this letter, as we look at this passage, that you will find hope, that you will remember the hope that is found in the Gospel, that you will be encouraged and refreshed to walk in the Gospel and that you will draw strength from it. So let's see what Paul has to say. Paul starts this letter by thanking God. Verse 3. He thanks God for the faith of the Colossians and their love for God's people. And in typical fashion, or Paul fashion, this isn't just a one-line. He doesn't just say this and move on. He unpacks this. He goes into detail. Where does this faith come from? Verse 5, it springs up from the hope that is stored up for them in heaven. Where do we find hope in this world? And where do you look for hope? Maybe once the financial year is over, the stress levels at work will drop. Once people are vaccinated, life will return to normal. Once my kids are older, family will get easier. Or when I've got enough money, life will be better. When I get that promotion or that job, it'll be worth all my time. Researchers hope that their academic studies and discoveries will ease the hardship of humanity. Medical science hopes their breakthroughs and medication will change lives. Therapists of all kinds offer solutions and strategies hoping they will make some difference. And don't get me wrong, there are some amazing people doing some amazing work. But there's one thing in common. None of them can guarantee that outcome. 
None of them can guarantee the outcome. To quote Tim Costello, uh, former CEO of Board Vision Australia, optimism is a preference. Optimism is a wish. Are you optimistic? Yes or no? Hope actually is different to preference. Hope is a choice. And Christian faith says it's the choice made on the basis that something new has begun. God's new creation after the death and resurrection of Jesus says, God is active in the world, building a new heavens and a new earth, a kingdom of God, the reign of God. Where literally there won't be any more tears and suffering, though in the meantime, there is a lot of tears and suffering. Hope is the choice to believe that, to act as if that is true to align ourselves with that belief. And it's different to just a preference. Tim Costello makes a difference, sees a difference between wishful thinking and optimism and true hope. Our world is optimistic about things. But when it comes to offering true hope, I'm not sure that it can. But the gospel offers us hope. Hope in something certain and guaranteed that God is making all things new in Jesus. And if that's not true, then there is no gospel. There is no good news. For the Christian, hope is found in God's guarantee that He will make all things new. And that He will wipe away those tears. He will do away with death. He will... There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, because everything will be new. And this isn't optimism. This isn't wishful thinking. This is the gospel. This is hope. And that hope depends on what you choose to believe. Do you believe that God will make all things new? Because if you do, there is hope. There is hope not just for the future, but hope for today. Because Paul reminds us that this gospel isn't stagnant, verse 6, no, this gospel is going forth, it is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. And see, even if there were no other churches around us, no other churches within Brisbane or Queensland, that hope is not diminished. Our hope comes from the fact that the gospel is spreading and growing throughout the world. That's why biographies and testimonies are powerful, because they refocus our perspective. They remind us that this gospel is not some passing optimism that we have. You only need to think about what God is doing in the world to realize that it's bigger than this here. And that gives you hope because it's not dependent on what's happening here. It's dependent on what God is doing in the world. And the gospel going out gives us hope. And gives us confidence to take the gospel to the world. To our family, to our friends, to our schools, to our workplaces, our city and our nation. Because we see it going out. We see it bearing fruit. And it continues to do that since the very beginning of time. 
And so we don't need to be optimistic about the gospel. We don't need to be wishfully thinking that the gospel is true. And despite what we see in our society and what it says about the church, you only need to look further to see that the gospel is going out. That it is being heard by the people of the world and it is changing their lives. People are finding true hope in the gospel. And it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on God. And so Paul gives thanks for the faith and the love of the church. But it doesn't end there. He doesn't just give thanks for their faith and their love or their hope. His prayer continues, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. In giving thanks for their faith and their hope and their love, he then prays that they will grow. That they will grow as the Spirit fills them with knowledge, with wisdom and understanding. But this growth isn't for the sake of just simply knowing more or making wise decisions or understanding the gospel. Verse 10, this growth is so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And so growth in the gospel is life-changing. Living a life worthy of God, of the Lord, and living to please Him. Not to please ourselves, not to please the world, but to please Him. And growth in the gospel bears fruit. It bears fruit in our good work. It bears the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm sure it doesn't surprise you. When you plant an apple tree, you get apples. You plant an orange tree, you get oranges. You plant a pear tree, you get pears. And when you plant the gospel, you get the fruit of the gospel, the fruit of the Spirit. And as the gospel takes root in your heart, it bears fruit. And if it bears fruit, well, I hope it's sweet. Bearing fruit goes hand in hand with growing in the gospel and growing in the knowledge of God. But as we've said time and time again, this is not just intellectual or academic knowledge. This is relational. When I do marriage preparation, I'm not interested in whether a couple knows each other's favorite color, their favorite food, or their favorite TV show. I'm not even interested in they're compatible, whatever that might mean. I'm interested in how well they relate to each other on a variety of levels. Do they actually know each other on a personal level? Do they know how to grow in a relationship? To know the gospel is to know God himself. To be in relationship with God. And to grow in the gospel is then to live a life worthy of him. To please him. Bearing fruit as a result of that relationship with Jesus. But like every relationship, it takes time takes effort. Keep investing in your relationship with God. 
maybe focus on growing in a particular aspect of that relationship. Whether you need to spend more time in His Word or in prayer, whether you need to develop one specific fruit of the Spirit in your life that's lacking. Share that with others. Don't just think, oh, that'd be nice. Do something about it. Make time in your week. Put it on your calendar. Start a calendar if you don't use one. Make a plan for how you'll spend that time with God. Even if it's five or ten minutes, make a plan about how you'll use it. And if you want to grow in a particular area, well, learn about it. Share it with other people and be accountable. Ask for help if you need it. Healthy relationships don't just happen. There's an ongoing investment. And relationships are a two-way street. It requires both sides of the relationship to give time and effort to grow it. If a person isn't willing to share their time and effort in a relationship, it doesn't work. It's why marriages break down. It's why long-term friendships grow apart. Because one party or both don't give the time and the effort and the space needed for that relationship to continue growing. And a relationship with Jesus isn't different. Paul tells us how God invests into this relationship. As the Colossians grow in their faith, as they put their hope in the gospel, as they bear fruit in their lives, as they grow, listen to the rest of his prayer, verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. What an encouragement. God pours into our relationship with Him with all of His power and glorious might. He's the generous friend who always insists on paying for coffee or the meal when you catch up. He's the supporting friend who always seems to show up at your door with food and take the kids off your hands. He's the friend who comes over or picks up the phone at crazy hours of the night because you need someone to listen to. And here is God who pours in His power and His glorious might to nourish this relationship. It's not temporary relief or wishful thinking. It's genuine hope for life. How does does God do this? He does this, verse 12, by qualifying you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of life. Verse 13, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this is the gospel. This is hope. We we share in the inheritance of His kingdom. And His kingdom is not some remote, unknown part of the world. No, this is heaven and earth. And He has rescued us from darkness and brought us into light. He has redeemed us, forgiven us of sin through the death of Jesus who sits on the throne of this kingdom, this kingdom of light. 
In her annual Christmas address last year, Queen Elizabeth said, Light does more than create a festive mood. Light brings hope. For Christians, Jesus is the light of the world. And the world looks for a light, doesn't it? It's looking for a light to shine in their darkness. Freedom from the bonds and the burdens of life. Redemption and forgiveness from the curse of sin. And Jesus is the light of the world. The one who brings us hope in the darkness. Who brings freedom and redemption from sin. And He gives strength. Backed up with the power of heaven. His glorious might so that each person who comes to Him, who comes to Him in faith, in trust, might endure, might have great patience for each and every day. And in doing so, respond with joyful thanksgiving to God. And He certainly deserves it. All because of the hope we find in the Gospel. We may never be Olympic, let alone Paralympic champions. Or even achieve anything significant by the world's standards. But the Christian life offers something different. A guarantee. A hope. Grounded in the completed work of Jesus on the cross. A life that is enriched with God's purposes. Not the ever-changing purposes of the world. And backed up, not with apparent optimism or wishful thinking, but the authority and power of heaven itself. The power and the authority of God the Father. And Paul prays that the Colossians would be grounded in Christ, grounded in the hope of the gospel, walk in a way that is worthy of Him, strengthened by the power of God. And that's my prayer for you that you will be grounded in Christ and in the hope of the gospel. That as you face discouragement or failure, temptations or weakness, that you will find hope. Hope in the gospel, secured by Jesus' death, stored up in the vaults of heaven, never to be compromised by any enemy. I pray that you will continue to live in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Consider how your life reflects your hope in the gospel. As you give your time, as you give of your gifts, your finances and your family, you can rest in the knowledge of God's grace and love freely given to you. And don't ever think that living for God is short-changing life. It's the other way around. Life is short-changed when you don't live for God. It seems a contradiction that to get the most out of your life that you live for someone else, that you live for the sake of another. But to live and to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord is more of a blessing than a request. When life becomes overwhelming, stressful, unbearable, turn to Him for strength. 
Take hold of the promise of his presence with you. Remember his sovereign power over all things. Pray for wisdom to respond to your circumstances. And you're not alone. You're not alone in this. Because we want to be a church where we can do this together. And life groups is a place where we want to see this happen. But it'll take time. It'll take effort. It'll take investment like any relationship. But as we share life together, we remind one another of the hope of the gospel. We keep one another accountable and encourage each other as we seek to live and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And as we wrestle with sin, we continue to point each other to Jesus, our Savior. For forgiveness for strength to overcome as we support and pray for each other. And so that's my prayer. And I hope that might be your prayer as well, that you will be grounded in Christ, that you will be grounded in the hope of the gospel, that you might walk in a way that is worthy of him, and that you might know his strength and his power for each and every day. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the faith of your people here. I thank you for their faith in the Lord Jesus. And I thank you for their love for one another. A faith and love that springs up from the hope that is stored up in heaven. That has been revealed to them through the gospel. And I pray that you will fill them with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding that comes from the Spirit so that they might live lives worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might so that they may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified them to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.